Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser with clearancejobs.com. Thank you so much for joining us. As most of you are probably already aware, it is Women's History Month. We're talking about a lot of hot topics around women in the intelligence community and the defense industry and celebrating the roles that women play in national security this month. And in that vein, we're very excited to have Katie Nock and Hopkins here joining us today. She has a variety of roles. I've met her working in different capacities across um, the federal space and the military community. Currently, she is with Altana AI on their federal team. She also has leadership roles in the amazing women of the IC and with the Command Purpose Foundation. And in that vein, I wanted her to, to join us just to talk a little bit about her roles, how she got into national security. We always love getting the questions that you know people send us here on the show. And so being able to address those and having her perspective, I think, would be great. So I wanted to have her talk about how she got into national security in that space. And then also we're kind of talking about an event that's been going on all this week, the Women in National Security Media Festival. So Clearance Jobs was a partner in that and we've been trying to promote those events. For those of you who are looking to get into the national security space, I always say I can't overemphasize the importance of networking, attending events, the capacity for people to attend virtual events now has really made it great and made it easy. So definitely follow the Women in National Security Media Festival. I'm sure there'll be on-demand content and other things. We will share the coverage that we can. So on that note, I want to turn it over to Katie. So talk to me a little about your path into national security. What got you interested in the career field and maybe what advice you'd give to somebody else who's listening to this saying, hey, I'm really interested in pursuing a a national security career. How do I even get started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lindy, first, I just want to say thank you so much for hosting me. This is this is so special. As you know, I am involved in the Iron Butterfly podcast and which interviews and tells stories of women in the intelligence community. And I'm always on the other side of it. So it's really fun to just kind of be here with you and, and share a little bit of my 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 own story and my experience. So I think to answer your first question, you know, what kind of got me interested in national security. My path into this community was kind of unexpected. I actually went to study at Columbia University and went to study neuroscience. I wanted to be a doctor and understand the inner workings of the human brain. And, you know, I didn't even make it a week on campus when I was walking with a friend of mine. And I will always remember this moment. We were kind of in our main college quad and I was telling her about how, you know, my my dreams to study neuroscience and my life plans. And I asked her what she was studying. And she said, oh, I'm studying political science. And I remember looking at her and saying, what is that? Like, I had never heard those two words next to each other in my entire life. And growing up in in Arizona, you know, that just wasn't part of our lexicon. We never talked about that. She said, well, you know, it's kind of the study of government. I think from that moment on, I was kind of intrigued. And there was a presidential election my freshman year, and the campus atmosphere was just totally electric. And I actually just kind of started to pay attention to some of these things and listen to these ideas and and kind of develop my own worldview. And, and from that moment on, I was just kind of hooked. So I really just knew that I wanted to pursue a career that really had this kind of global mission impact that would give me the opportunity to just kind of leave a positive impact in the world. And so I think for those who are thinking about getting into this community, one of the things I wish I had known is, you know, there are a lot of, I think, prescribed paths that are a little narrow for folks who are interested in getting into this community. You know, you kind of talk to these people 
and mentors who say, you know, you have to do this and then you have to do this and then you have to do this. And it's kind of this really narrow path. And suddenly you have like 20 years of your life that have been like planned out for you. I think what I would say to my former self and what I would say to anyone who is kind of interested in this path is when you talk to people who prescribe a path for you, it's really grounded in their own kind of bias and experience. And a lot of times these prescribed paths and these shoulds, like you should do this and then this, those are really kind of created by the majority for the majority, right? And not for the minority. And I think my opportunities really came when I was able to embrace my own difference and what made me unique and not what made me the same because I wasn't the same. And those are really, I think, the things that as I look back that I'm most proud of. I love that. So many taglines in that one statement there. You should do interviews more often, Katie. I, I, it's The pressure's on you now versus being the interviewer. I get the easy job asking the questions. But no, because I do think, I mean, I had a similar experience. I started working for the Army and got into government that way. And I found my strategic advantage was always the diversity of thought that I brought to the table. People didn't want me thinking the same way all of the 50-year-old male lieutenant colonels that I happened to work with thought. You know, that what they wanted was the experience that I had that was different. And I think it's really hard. That is the challenge for women entering into that space. Certainly there are pitfalls, but I think, like you said, embracing the fact that you have a unique experience. Your background in neuroscience, I'm sure, played into how you look at political science. And if you kind of underplayed that aspect of your, you know, even your resume or interest or experience, maybe you wouldn't have had the same advantages. So I love that. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, at least in, in this community and, you know, in the te- intelligence community and national security community, that embracing difference, that is mission essential, right? Like that's not just a nice to have or like you're a check the box thing, right? Because the stakes are really high in this work. And unless you are bringing together coalitions of people who really see the world differently, you're frankly not doing your job. And the stakes are incredibly high. Uh, so I think, at least in this community, I found that it embraces diversity, I think, in a really unique way, because it really is essential to the mission that we're serving. So I have to ask those questions about, did you experience any specific insecurities or even issues filling out the SF-86 or applying for a security clearance or getting your start in national security? Do you think there's anything about that onboarding process that's particularly intimidating or that you wish you'd been aware of? Oh my gosh. I mean, the security clearance process, I think, is really one of the most vulnerable processes that any of us go through, I think, in this community. And it can be, you know, incredibly uncomfortable and almost invasive at times. I think what I remember most about that process for me and what I've always struggled with is the process kind of has a way of making people feel like they have to be perfect. The reality is just that perfect people don't exist, right? And and I think to even take that a step further, it's the times that I know for myself, I have felt most imperfect, that I've learned the most about myself and felt the most proud of my growth. And my learnings from that period and from that clearance process is, you know, no matter what happens in your clearance process, it doesn't change who you are or what you're capable of. You know who you are. uh, And completely independent of this process and regardless of the outcome. I think the second thing is really that, you know, there are so many careers in this community uh, and to serve the national security mission, to serve the 
mission of like making the world a better place, you don't have to have a security clearance, right? And if this is a process that really just kind of makes your skin crawl or just makes you a little too uncomfortable, this is just one path, right? It this it does not have a monopoly on mission critical or impactful work. And there are so many meaningful paths outside of those that require these security clearance investigations. And I think we're seeing that with COVID too. I mean, we're going to write about that at clearance jobs that the number of people who have needed eligibility or access has, has declined throughout COVID times, as it were. And so I think we're going to see more as they open up remote positions or different opportunities in national security. And like you said, the breadth of national security is much broader even than, you know, one segment of the positions that are out there. And I love that we talk all the time about the whole person concept, which is kind of government speak. It's the not perfect person concept is actually what it is. And you're totally right also to the point that like our community is really, I think, in an inflection point as we think about what we have to do inside a secure facility and what we can do from the outside, right? I mean, I just made a transition from government to the private sector working for a company called Altana AI. And our mission is really to create a shared source of truth for global supply chain and enable public-private partnerships on this issue in particular to solve hard national security problems, right? We don't need security clearances to do that. Though many of our customers, that can be a nice to have, you know, we're able to have really incredible mission impact for national security issues from outside the community and from outside the SCIF. Completely echo your sentiment there. Yeah. And so this week, I teased it at the beginning, but it's the Women in National Security Media Festival. Kind of talk a little bit about the festival, why you think weeks or events like this are important. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this week's media festival has, I mean, it is just such an amazing week. And this is really a festival for women in national security. And it's evidence, I think, of that it's a coalition of the willing, right? And it's, I think, evidence of what is really in the realm of the possible when women come together kind of in service of their past and their present and their future. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I've been reminded often over the last few months about that 1984 quote. And I think it's meant in like a darker, darker way, but for all of my kind of national security or history nerds kind of out there, you know, there's a quote in the book that's those who control the present control the past and those who control the past control the future. And so I think it's really, this festival is evidence of that, right? You have a, a coalition of the willing, amazing women who like Kristen Wood and Ellen McCarthy and Megan Jaffer, Suzanne Wilson Heckenberg, so and so many others who came together really with an idea of actually serving the history and building a future for women in the national security community. So it includes, you know, a variety of events, both in person and virtual, to really just educate and inspire women across our community. We're having a special Iron Butterfly podcast episode as well. Really amazing campaign to posthumously award Virginia Hall with the Congressional Medal of Honor for her work with the OSS during and after World War II. Just a really amazing week and really just inspiring kind of a, a future for women in the national security workforce. Yeah, and being with clearancejobs.com, I can never hesitate to put in a plug for events like this and their importance in career growth development and also finding a job. We still have traditional career events. Again, you can go to clearancejobs.com and look and, and pursue events, attend career events. But when you have a networking opportunity like this, it really combines kind of enjoyment, education, and networking. And when you combine those all together, I think that's super powerful. And the best way, I mean, I think even talking to young people or transitioning veterans or people looking to make a career pivot, 
the best way to find out if a career is right for you is kind of like how you talked at the beginning of the conversation. It started with a conversation with a friend. It can start with attending an event like this and getting to know the industry, getting to know people. And then again, those people are probably going to be your path into potentially a career opportunity as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that for this community, which I think makes it unique from other kind of careers or professions, is that people are super personally connected to their work. Like the missions that people are serving, it's not just transactional, right? It's not just business. These are pieces of who we are. And so I think to your point, like really getting out and getting involved in the community and meeting people who also kind of share this mission and this vision for the world, building those authentic relationships, I think is really at the core and at the foundation of building a career in national security, because it's really those relationships that I think kind of propel you forward and show you, like, to your point, what's really in the realm of the possible and identify kind of paths for you that you didn't even know existed. And I know that's certainly been the case for me. It is a male dominated field. I mean, that is just the the numerical reality, you know, when we see diversity numbers released, that it's across the defense industry and national security space, there's more men working in the space than women. I've had great opportunities as a woman working in, you know, in national security. I had a great experience working in the Army. I've loved working at the Pentagon. I've loved the people I've worked with. I have not had some of the negative experiences that some people do talk about. But I also am at the point where I can certainly see how sometimes you walk into a room and you're one of the few women there. And that does make a difference. So it is helpful to see more women. I see them across the defense industry, especially across government leadership positions, rising into more positions of prominence. Maybe kind of talk about that. Have you seen that over the arc of your career? Do you think that helps bring more women into the field as we see women rising into leadership positions? And why is that valuable? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much value as a, you know, a young woman who's kind of entered this field within the last decade. I think, you know, when you see people who look like you, there is incredible power in that. And there's so much more to diversity, as you know, than just gender. There's so much value that people with different backgrounds and experiences that bring. And so I think it's really important that you're seeing people like that. I think one thing that we talk a lot about at AWIC, um, Amazing Women of the Intelligence Community, is how there's been a lot of progress made, I think, at the entry levels, more junior levels, and at very, very senior levels. But there's this real disconnect in the mid-career range. And those positions are so important because those are leaders who are really interacting with and leading people at a very tactical level in organizations and who really kind of affect what our work environment looks like the most. And so I think to continue to advance this conversation, I think, yes, I've absolutely seen a change in in women kind of getting into more senior leadership positions. You know, some of the greats like Tish Long and Ellen McCarthy, they would say the same thing. But I think really we still have a lot of work to do. And COVID has certainly shown us this. We've seen kind of an an exodus of women at the mid-career level from the workforce because they're also full-time parents and full-time teachers. And I think that exodus of women, especially at that level and, and at that first line, second line supervisor level, is a huge risk for our workforce, for our agencies, for our community, because those are people who are really driving our work environments and who are making decisions that can shape our organizations for those who are joining the workforce. Uh, So that's a big area of focus that AWIC has had in particular, and I know many other folks in the community are talking about right now. Yeah, no, that's a great point that you bring up. And that's certainly the case when you talk about workplace culture, which is always a buzzword. Those people make a big difference and they make a big difference in who you attract into your workforce. Again, to promote diversity, we need to see diversity within those roles. And that's that's going to be super important moving forward. 
Well, thank you again so much, Katie, for taking the time to chat with me today. Definitely check out the events happening with the Women in National Security Media Festival and definitely check out the Iron Butterfly podcast. Again, if you want to know what's going on in the national security space and know about unique topics and how they're affecting you know, different groups, I think there is a lot of content out there. There are a lot of great people out there to network with. So find them and find your path into a national security career. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. This is an awesome platform and it's really great you're using it to have these conversations. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.